Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Locked, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. So we got a good show lined up for you today. We're going to start it off with the DDO predictions, uh, and then we're going to roll into um, kind of just like the season kicking back off, yeah, uh, starting back up. And finally, we're going to talk just some tr- some story time of mine and Trevor, where Trevor came from, all of that good stuff. Uh, that's why his name's in the title. He was pretty stoked about that. Yeah, after I just appeared out of thin air <laughs> to the audience. <laughs> yeah, so if you don't already know, uh, the Disc Golf Pro Tour is kicking back off this week after, after the uh, pandemic. Yeah. And we're starting off at the DDO. There's going to be no spectators here, um, which I think... At first, we were talking about this a little bit earlier today. No spectators seems like it would cause something weird, but then you made a good point. It's yeah, it's like they're you know the best, the biggest tournaments and like the biggest players are probably feeling more of like the crowd, like they're able to feed off the crowd because they kind of get bigger galleries. But I think most players aren't going to notice a huge difference. I mean, we're we're getting there as a sport where the crowd becomes more of a factor, but I don't think it's going to play a huge part. I mean, some of the bigger players might might notice, but I'm not really sure how much that even plays into their game plan anyways. Yeah. So I don't think it'll be a huge difference. Yeah, because I mean, if if you think about it, when have you ever, I guess the only time you've ever seen like third or fourth card with a gallery is if Paul's on. Yeah. Or if Ricky's on it or or someone's on it. Um. I mean, that's the only time, really. Other than that, you, so I think the only players that will really affect is possibly a player like Paul, who's used to having the crowd to feed off of. But at the same time, he's had some great rounds with no one there. Yeah, I I, I don't see it playing a huge part, but I, I'll be curious to maybe hear if they have any opinions on that, you know, once the few rounds are in the yeah. belt. But. Well, once they've gotten out there and played a little bit, we do have a super chat to start it off uh, before we get too deep into the podcast from Chris Neal Disc Golf, his weekly super chat. He says, how does the flight path differ between TI and Z? So for me, I don't know if you have a ton of experience between those, but for me, I think that Z is a little bit more stable in general, but it varies mold to mold. Yeah, I've been thrown. I mean, I'm kind of new into discraft, but from what I've can tell i think that's true i mean i've only thrown a little bit of ti and it you know i have a couple ti um challengers that are pretty straight so i don't i don't notice any like anything shocking out of it yeah i've thrown some stuff in ti that's been a little more stable but for the most part it's been i feel like early when ti first came out i feel like people were saying it was really stable like i remember ti buzzes were like big and people were like these are like the overstable ones yeah but I guess it's, it all changes. Yeah, so that's probably not the answer you're looking for, but it seems <laughs> yeah. like it varies mold to mold. Um, so let's just get straight into the DDO. Basically, it's a rebranded GBO. GBO had to be canceled, and <laughs> I just looked down as Brody Smith donated and started Trevor's Fund for putting lessons. Nice. So we'll get into that in a little bit <laughs> yeah. once we get into our little bit more of the story time part of this podcast. But the DDO is basically, from what I understand, uh, they had to cancel GBO and they wanted to get another pro tour event in, yeah. but it wouldn't be the same because it's not the same time of the year and stuff like that. So the dynamic disc opens, dynamic discs open started, which Talk has closer. been, has been branded the DDO by Brody and Paul. Yes. Um, they're playing just the country club, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, wide open course, lots of OB. Plenty of opportunity for wind. Yeah, a lot. There's always wind yeah. in Kansas. I, don't, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone should know that by now. But um, let's go ahead and start off with the predictions. What? Uh, who do you have the top three on the men's side for the DDO? 
So top three, um, I, I have to go with Paul. Fair. You know, we're going to sound like homers, but I mean, come on. Like He's, <laughs> he's the highest rated player in the field by a, a good margin. Uh, and after that, uh, Calvin Heimberg. I feel okay. like he's one of those players who doesn't, almost doesn't even seem to care. <laughs> he just like keeps his like his attitude just stays the same the entire round and yeah. he doesn't really get frazzled and he's kind of a robot. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason they call him Heimborg. Yeah, I I really feel like he's going to have a good year. So I like him um and then uh Chris Dickerson as well. So you're going with two of the robots. Yeah, two of the robots. Robot Chicken and Heimborg. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Might be a pattern there, but after he just, you know, played ridiculous yeah. in Tennessee. The tough part with the tough part with Chris is I feel like I think he's one of the best Woods players in the game. We'll see what he does out in the open with the wind. That's I think that's a tough part. I'm kind of basing his performance off of momentum, so <laughs> okay. we'll see how that. That's does. that's fair. So I I gotta agree with you only on one. I'm going Paul off the top. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I'm gonna put numbers next to mine. Okay. So I'm going Paul with the win. Well, uh, yeah, I would have taken. I kind of was going in order. Okay. So you're you're going one, two, Paul, three. Calvin, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Paul, Calvin, Chris. I'm going Paul with the win. Yeah. I think that's a pretty obvious one. His I don't know if y'all watched Brody's most recent video or the little clip Simon put out today. His putter's looking, it's looking good. pretty stinking I've hot. I've seen too much of it lately. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, if Paul's putter's good, his throw is never that far off. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, if his putter's on, he's he's winning. Yeah. Now, I know in the wind, it's going to be a little tough. One thing I will say that I think is going to give Paul a slight advantage, um, which I think he had it last year as well but last year he was learning his discraft bag this year knowing his discraft bag mm-hmm. instead of having a mcpro in his hand which was i mean i put it with mcpros into headwinds that's terrifying one of the yeah. scariest things you'll ever do i used to keep a gator in my bag just because i was didn't want to step up to a like 20 foot headwind putt with a mcpro yeah they don't hold up well no but the the luna has a lot more stability so mm-hmm. i think that's something that has held paul not held paul back but been tough at really windy events like the GBO in the past that kind of is corrected by this new putter. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm feeling Paul for this week. I don't know by how much. Pretty over, safe. Pretty safe bet. That, that is a really safe bet. Yeah. My second one is also, some will say, pretty safe uh, Eagle. Yeah. Eagle McMahon. I, the, the Talented, dude, yeah. I think one of the keys in a course like this is you got to be able to throw long hyzers with real overstable stuff. He's got a huge arm, yeah. Yeah. And he can throw forehand and backhand on those lines. That's true. So... To me, it goes Paul and Eagle. I think they're going to be pretty neck and neck. Uh, and then rounding out my top three, this was a tough one for me to choose. I went through a lot of different people. I actually originally said Chris Clemens. Yeah. And then I found out I don't know if he's playing. Yeah. I originally, I just going to sneak him in there. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like he always plays good in Emporia. Um, so instead, I'm going with Kevin Jones. Yeah. Another bomber. Um, the only thing that I think is going to be tough, which... I can't really say this, but I think prodigy players might have a slight, a hard time in the wind because yeah, I wonder but why. the reason I say I can't really say this is because they've got the hookup. So they probably have X ones yeah. and stuff well, in the back. If that, you look at the stuff they like Kevin Jones is throwing, it's like stuff he gets from Seppo and like yeah. none of it's in production. It's the exactly. good prodigy. It's like the 2016 yeah. Bowling Green D threes that back when everything they had was really stable. Yeah. Instead of before not. God. Yeah. That's what's crazy to me is, you know, he's playing with a bag that like, if I wanted to go buy, I couldn't you buy can't. Yeah. It's not very marketable. So I guess I guess my point is kind of invalid there. But I, I just think I think the key on a country club or a course like that is being able to throw so far that you can choke up and still have birdie opportunities on long holds. Yeah. I think that's where some players are going to have a difficult time is when you have to you have to turn over a disc to get it to go 400 feet and you can't just throw a bomb hyzer with an overstable disc into the headwind. 
then when there's a headwind, you're a little bit screwed because you got to trust that Zeus, Force, Destroyer, whatever you're throwing on a little bit of Annie, and, you know, it's really yeah. hard to tell how much that's coming back. As soon back. as you start messing with those Anheuser angles in the wind, it gets a little sketchy. <laughs> you get off by too much, you're going to turf it. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And also, crosswinds, yeah. they're a nightmare. Oh, yeah. The crosswind, I, I don't know about you, but I always went no glide and put in the face towards the wind. No, every yeah. time i, I let that wind push her down be the guy who is like ignorant to crosswinds and like i'd only be paying attention to headwind and tailwind and then i would throw a hyzer and watch it get lifted yeah about 300 <laughs> feet into the air left and be like why'd that happen oh yeah like crosswind yeah you know? don't hate, do that i hate crosswinds yeah so if you're a newer player and you've never played in a crosswind and you're approached by one most predictable thing you can throw into it is get the top of the disc aim down into the crosswind so that it just slams it down yeah you're not going to get distance but you're not trying to at that yeah, point you're just trying to stay safe yeah you're just trying to you're just trying to be safe there um so that's i think that's about it on the men's side i don't think there's too many storylines here i did see ricky posting a few stories saying that he was feeling really good which you see the return of ricky i was say i haven't heard that out of rick yeah. in a long time i haven't heard him say like i've heard him like say it here or there but this time like he actually like looked more normal yeah and sometimes he'll be like like right after one of his limes flare ups, he's like, "Yeah, guys, I'm I'm feeling great," and you can just look at him and be like, "Yeah, you're not, buddy." I like you. You can tell. This time he actually looked like he was feeling good. So I think that'll be interesting to see what he's capable of out there. Um, I didn't pick him in the top three just because I don't really know what we're gonna expect. From yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I'm going off a little bit of history right now. Um, I think another wild card could be Nico. Nico's one of those guys that I feel like this is the type of tournament he just yeah. pops off on. He honestly, he had some pretty good showings towards the end of last season, I feel like. I kind of thought like, oh, Nico's back a little bit. Yeah. I feel like if he gets a win, I mean, his game, you know, because he's not a big sidearm guy, like his game isn't necessarily tailored to like kind of the newer courses and the players that dominate them. But, you know, the dude can still throw. Like he's, he's yeah. still pretty good. And I think something that gives him an advantage too is he's the type of player that loves overstable plastic on Annie's. Yeah. Versus trying to flip anything up. That's and true. That's it's a big advantage in the yeah. wind. More yeah. That's a, that's a huge advantage in the wind. Um, yeah. Some people are agreeing with me there that they like Nico as that, is that kind of dark horse quote unquote pick. Mm-hmm. Um, on the women's side, uh, we have pretty much the, the general tour field. I didn't see Sarah Hokum in there. Um, but there might be one or two other names kind of missing. But but what are you feeling on the women's side? Who's taking this one down and uh, who's coming in second and third? Yeah, so women's side, I have Paige Pierce winning. I mean, she's the best. That's she obvious, just is yeah. the best right now. Um, Katrina Allen, I feel like she you know is a pretty powerful thrower, can battle wind. Um, if her putt can be on, then she's definitely dangerous, maybe even challenges. But I have her in second. And then Rebecca Cox, I have in third. That's kind of a player I'm, that's new to me. I kind of was looking through the field, kind of looking people up. Um, and, yeah, I feel like in the women's game, we almost get, like, each year we have, like, a new player kind of surprised and, like, bust onto the scene. So yeah. I'm kind of looking to see who that's going to be and feel like it might be her. Yeah, I mean, it could it could be. She's been on the scene for a little bit now, but I think you're right. She hasn't really had that huge breakout yeah, year. Exactly. I think the, the person that I think is coming up, I didn't see her name at this tournament, and she's not in my top three, but Heather Young. Has been there's been a lot of like hype surrounding her recently. I think she took down the Pro Tour Putting Championship, and I, on the women's side of the game right now, it seems like if you can throw accurately yeah. and you can putt, you're gonna have a chance at winning. Mm-hmm. And I think putting is the stronger stronger one. If you if you have a good putt, um, I, I think that's gonna be the that's gonna be the key. Um, which is why I've got Paige Pierce winning. Yeah, 
I think that's a uh, to me that's a no brainer still at this time in the game. Um, it, I think it's going to be interesting to see one one factor that we can't really factor in is the rust because uh, yeah. I think one thing's going to be regional rust. Yeah, where like someone like Paul who's in this area, the courses were never taken out of the ground. There was never any restriction that you couldn't play. That's valid, yeah. Um, so you could go out and play and practice, whereas other parts of the country, they might have had their home courses ripped up, and all they could do is putt and go do field work, yeah, stuff like that. And so I think that's something that you can't really factor in because you don't know what was going on. Yeah, but, we're going to notice that across the field, I think, just seeing like which guys are prepared and yeah. which guys kind of weren't, maybe because it was up to them and maybe because it wasn't, like that they couldn't get out to the yeah. course, but... We might see some some really shocking play out of some guys and be like, wow, they're rusty. And then, you know, the guys who have stayed and kept their game in shape are going to really stand out. Yeah, for sure. And I know that Paige, for instance, did have, um, trying to think of what it was called. Was it the Avocado Open? They had I something. Heard that. Yeah. yeah, they had like Steve Rico, her, Nate Perkins. I think Philo was out there. Um, I think that might have been the full card. But wherever they were staying, um, had a like full 18 hole disc golf course so yeah. she i don't think will be rusty and she is proven to be the best in the game so i'm going page i think that's going to be a no-brainer there my second place is not katrina allen but is instead page shoe yes uh don't ask me why i'm just i was feeling it i was reading the list i was reading a list of names and i was just like i'm going page page there you so, go page pierce page shoe which when I said that, you had no idea who I was talking about. Yeah, this. well, it took a second for my brain to register. Like I remember that like she married Grady Shue, and it just like a lot of like pro athletes don't change their last name. Well, even if they do, they still like go by you know their former because yeah. that's where they're like known as professionally. But she did, and so like I read Paige Shue and kind of just like glanced over it, and I was like, "Where's Paige Bjorkis?" <laughs> and then it like kind of clicked, like a little light bulb moment. I was like, "Oh, so she yeah. is there." But I stuck with my predictions. <laughs> well, I think. Uh... I think to your point, it took me a long time to realize that Valerie Jenkins and Nate Doss were married. Really? Long time. I thought, so I, I always saw them together. And since she had the same last name as Avery Jenkins, I thought they were married and you know, her and Nate when were I brother first and got sister. Into, when I first got into disc golf, I, I think I thought that too. Yeah. I thought that for a long time. Yeah. And then someone finally said something about like them being brother and sister. I was like, well, then who's she married to? And they're like, Nate <laughs> yeah. Doss. I'm like... No, that's her brother. <laughs> yeah, disc golfers' personal lives sometimes like are so behind the scenes that like you hear things about them and you're like, what? <laughs> I could have never guessed that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know why, but I, I thought that was crazy. Now I feel like newer players into the game wouldn't be like confused about that because they have the commentary and everything. Yeah. But back then there wasn't like when I first got into it, there wasn't a lot of like social uh, media or stuff like that. So there's Valerie Jenkins and Nate Doss. I didn't. One plus I no one clue. is two. Yeah. And then my third place, I haven't said it yet. My third place is I lost it. Dang. Missy. Missy Gannon. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's a pretty a pretty solid pick. Sure. Uh, the yeah. tough part is Katrina Allen will most likely sneak into that top three. Um, but I feel like Katrina Allen in the top three I picked, plus Rebecca Cox that you picked, I think it's pretty, pretty, I can pretty confidently say that'll probably be the top five. Yeah. Um, there might be one or two that sneak in and out of there, but I feel like those players are kind of trending towards the top of the game. We did notice uh, Holly Finley has close to 950 rating. 942, I think it was, yeah. Um, which I don't know if, uh, I don't know if it's just she hasn't played many tournaments recently or, I mean, no one's played in tournaments recently. Maybe yeah. that's why. I just felt like I hadn't heard her name in a while. So I saw that rating next to her name and it wasn't like shocking, but it was just like, oh, yeah, 
don't know. It was just one of those things. I was Who like, knows? well, she, she we'll could see. do something out yeah, there. We'll see. Um, uh, to me, I think it's too big of a course for her. Um, yeah. which is why I think it's going to play a little bit more to players like Paige, Katrina, yeah. Rebecca Cox can smash, uh, Missy's and, uh, Paige shoe doesn't throw as far as a lot of players, but she has so much control. She's very consistent. It's, it's like when Valerie Jenkins won worlds there yeah. in 2016, mm-hmm. Paige was smashing left and right. Like she was throwing bombs, but Valerie was just placing shots where they needed to be mm-hmm. and she wasn't messing up. And I feel like that's why I kind of was like, Paige shoe seems like a good choice because there's a lot of OB out there. If you can yeah. place some placement shots, get up to the hole. As long as your putter's on, you're going to be doing good. There's chances to be aggressive, and a lot of times that makes aggressive players you know, get a little greedy, and the wind comes into play, and that can leave the door open for people that are kind of just taking their time and playing safe. Yeah, So yeah, for sure. We do have another Super Chat uh, coming in. We actually have two here. Um, Crank6, he said, Paul is winning, Simon and Calvin, but I'd watch Drew Gibson. He has steam from Memorial also hashtag team hunter appreciate that drew gibson is a good one he he's got the distance yeah whole lot of distance the key is again going to be his putty yeah if he can get his putter hot um it's kind of always been his yeah and then one more question i think we'll kind of use to transition out of the ddo uh and kind of into the rest of the season was another super chat from todd cooper he said what do you think about paul's game now and into the future has he reached his prime is he still climbing? Will he keep up with the upcoming talent? Yeah. So this is actually, this is a very fascinating topic to me about like longevity in disc golf players, because I think Paul and kind of the guys right now are kind of ushering in this new era in disc golf of like real athletes that are like playing disc golf. Like Paul's an athletic dude. And there's a yeah. lot of guys towards the top that are athletic guys. Um, so I think I'm very curious because obviously, you know, it's really, does their, do their joints hold up and, can they keep throwing as far as there? Because distance is, you know, a big factor in the game right now. So it's really just a matter of, you know, how long can he keep doing that? And if he stays injury free, like, does he, is he able to compete for world titles at age of, you know, 38, 39, you know, that I think it's going to be very curious to see. Cause obviously right now his game is in great shape and he, you know, he was about to turn 30. Yeah. So, you know, I'd say he's in his prime, but it's just a matter of how long. Uh, I think he, I think he's in his prime. Yeah. I don't think he's reached, reached it. You don't think so? No, I think he's got a solid, which just kind of contradicts my world's predictions. And Paul called me out on this, but I think Paul has a solid like, I would say his prime, like as good as Paul's going to get, is a solid like four or five years from now. Really? I think. That's a well, hot I mean, take. if you look at if you look at disc golf in general, like what about it is truly like a, it's not like a basketball or a football where you have this wear and tear on your body that it's destroying slowly over time. And so I think there's something you can be competitive in and stay at the top of the game for a long term. I think Paul could technically be competitive going into his 40s. It's true. I mean, there, I mean, there's still joints. I mean, like, yeah. it, you could hurt your rotator cuff. You could, like, you could, you know, have some kind of elbow, you know, tendon issue. But you're right. I mean, it's not super strenuous. You're not nearly as susceptible to injuries you would in a more contact yeah, sport. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, to me, we've seen players like Johnny McRae. We've seen... Um, it's true. Patrick Brown. We've seen other players that have proven you can be competitive at the top for a while. Yeah. I think something that would be insane. And I don't know if Paul said this or if someone else said this. Someone said it. It was not my original idea. But if Paul could pull off a Masters World and a regular world title in the same year. Yeah, that would be impressive. That would be insanely impressive. We're 10 years off from that. Yeah, I feel um, like when he gets to the Masters field, it's going to be... Yeah. It could be a steamroller. <laughs> so I think I think more where I'm coming from is the uh, to the four or five years. I think that's where Paul will be on top of the game. 
Well, I, I think, think this competition is going to be exactly. ridiculous in four to five yeah. years. So that would make it even more impressive. I think he'll stay on top of the game for four to five years. I think he'll be able to continue his current play level um, for longer than that. Yeah. But I think there will be new players coming up that might surpass this ceiling that has been set yeah. right now. And so that might be where it's tough to say like when he'll reach his prime because I think a lot of it is going to be based on the competitors. Because mm-hmm. uh, if he... He could technically right now decline a little bit and still be on top of the game. Yeah. So then you could still consider him in his prime, even if he's playing slightly worse golf than he's playing yeah. right now. The whole term of prime is honestly a bit loosey-goosey in sports. People kind of throw it around and it's, I don't know, it's not super specific, I feel yeah. like. Because like, you know, he went, when you win a world title, you, you're the best in the world. Are you in your prime then or are you in your prime like at your peak in your career, if you win a world, oh, and you also won the USDGC that year and this and that. Or does, well, so does prime, does, does your prime in sports have anything to do with your accolades that year? It's also true. I mean, I guess, <laughs> and you could argue that like the most, you know, objective gauge of like where he's at is his rating, but ratings are fishy in the first place. Yeah, I know you don't ratings. like ratings. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that, I guess is like, that's why it's just always going to be subjective. I think it's people's. It's gonna yeah, be that, that's that's. This is why like, people still can't decide if LeBron or Michael Jordan's better, and all these arguments. Yeah, so that's another. Okay. Yeah, don't start that. MJ argument, MJ's the goat. No, no if ands or buts about that. I mean, I don't know how someone can argue LeBron. against it. No way. We're gonna we're gonna move on. Are you really though? We're gonna move on. I just want a yes or no. Yes. You, you think LeBron's better than MJ? He's the greatest of all time. All right, maybe we'll, in the follow-up. I just maybe made we'll everybody. I just made everybody thirty and over hate me. In the follow-up. Okay. Real quick, then on the basketball topic, MJ, Kobe, LeBron, LeBron, MJ, Kobe. I mean, at least we both but have the Kobe's top three. Kobe's not in that. No, but Kobe's not in the top three of all time. I think Kobe's one of the like. I would put Kobe as two. Kobe, I, I'm t- upset that Kobe's not in general in the talk for the greatest all right. of all time. We'll we'll, fo- we'll talk about this more in the follow up. Yeah, if you're not, right. uh, the Patreons are going to get a treat in the foundation yeah. follow up. I'm going to go uh-huh. at your neck in the follow-up. <laughs> Gracious. So, uh, one other question that I'm going to bring up, because I've seen a lot of people ask it, is who is finishing higher, Casey White or Brody Smith? <laughs> That's a tough one. Oh, man. So, I, I'm... i What is Casey White rated right now? Is a good question to ask first off before right. I, before I, I give feel. my... Before I give my answer, I got the field pulled up. Just here. so you know, the majority of people are saying MJ. One I mean, person. I would th- expect that. We got a random Reggie Miller thrown in there. I don't mind being in the minority, but I understand. Are you pulling up Casey White's rating? I'm looking at the field here, trying to find him. Believe he's 990-ish. Yeah, there's Lance Brown. Might be higher than that. I don't. Did he break a thousand rated? Around a thousand three, someone said. Casey White, thousand three. Thousand three. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Casey White, a thousand three. That's going to be very nice. Or, or Brody Smith. Who's finishing higher at the DDO and why? <laughs> I'm putting you that's, on the spot. That's a tough one. I'm putting you on the Honestly, spot. Honestly, it's, it's tough because, you know, well, I mean, Brody's played, you know, he's played a big event, you know, at Waco and he played on camera. So, like, this isn't like, okay, it's his first time doing that. You know, it'll be interesting to see how he handles the win. I'm curious to see that. But I don't know. The guy, he kind of just has a winner's attitude. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> like, he kind of, I don't like, he's the type of guy who's going to go into the tournament, like, it, probably literally trying to win. <laughs> so I, uh, 
because of that, you know, I'm going to say he shoots, he's going to be able to shoot over a thousand. He's capable of it. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going with Brody. You think Brody's out seeing uh, Casey White? Yeah. I hate to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going with Casey White for one reason, and that is experience. Because I think that a course like the Country Club requires you to like have a good history with your bag and know this scenario, this type of a thing. And Brody's played in the wind. Don't get me wrong, because yeah. he's from Texas. But Kansas wins are just something else, first off. And then secondly, there's so much OB to contend with that if you misjudge your disc slightly, you're dealing with OB and it's coming at you fast. And I, I don't know. For, I just feel like Casey has been in that situation more. I yeah. think he's played courses like that and with tournament pressure more. Um, to, it's going to be close. It's going to be real gonna close be because close. I think they're both going to average about 10-10. Okay. That's what my guess is. Yeah, um, fair. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're on the same card together at some point during see and hopefully someone's got a camera on that so we can pull up some clips of it uh next week but i'm gonna say that casey outs him a little bit just because i think the consistency is going to be the hardest thing uh within there and i'm sure brody disagrees with me and maybe he's going to maybe that's the fire that'll push him past casey but yeah maybe you're fired (laughs) (laughs) but that's just that's just what i'm saying there i I think it's my job I just that's just what I'm that's just what I'm thinking right there. Uh All some right. people are asking who's their caddies. There are no caddies. No caddies. No caddies at this event. Um just this is a phase one disc golf pro tour event, so no caddies, no spectators, all of that good stuff. So I think we wrap that that section up. There's a lot more pro tour coming up and we'll talk about the results from this week. We're gonna keep a close eye on that Casey versus Brody battle. Very close. Um we might talk about that more than the top battle. <laughs> Brody said blame the tick. Uh, we might talk about that more than the top battle coming into next week, but yeah. we'll uh we will see. We're gonna wrap that segment up and we're gonna head over into just kind of a little bit of history of who you are while yeah. you're while you're sitting here. Uh I wanna <laughs> just preface this with as soon as way back like months ago as soon as the word employee got brought up that we were going to bring in someone at some point we knew it was coming soon we knew it was probably this summer this fall um trevor was one of the first people that like was brought up because i mean if you haven't watched our most recent video personally i think the dude's hilarious uh it's very touching (laughs) uh and so we knew he'd be a good fit there and we also knew that you know we were we were friends with him for a long time and so we knew uh, he was going to be a good addition to the team. So what I think we're going to kind of go into a little bit here is we have a few questions that have been popping up. You feel free to throw some questions into uh, the chat as well, but we're just going to kind of get things started and then just let them go where they go no. on kind of how we know each other. So why don't you just start it off with how we met your first year of co- collegiate disc golf yeah, and uh, wow. we'll, we'll let these stories kind of roll. Yeah, I mean, so... You know, I didn't come to, to school to play disc golf, you know, but I had been in disc golf for a few years during high school and played some tournaments and I was like, you know, pretty hooked on the sport. So I wanted the opportunity. It wasn't quite good enough to play division one college athletics. Uh, so I decided, whoa, you know, whoa. disc golf's not division one. It's news, news to me. Honestly, at Liberty, you know, where we played, it might as well have been. We got treated pretty well. <laughs> we, yeah. We were treated well. That was interesting. But, um, yeah, so I went to school and decided to, you know, try out for the team because I wanted to, you know, be a part of a team, play some sports. 
So, you know, show up to tryouts, you know, bright eyed little kid, all nervous, you know, <laughs> got Hunter Thomas over there throwing 300 foot bombs <laughs> uh, in the field. But um, yeah, so started playing disc golf. That's how Hunter and I first met my freshman year. Um, so that was, you know, three years ago. Now. So freshman year nationals, what year? I was a this junior. Is 2017. I was a sophomore. Or no. Junior. Yeah. I was a junior. Fall of 2017. Fall of 2017, so I was it was my junior year. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I played two years with you. So you played on first flight all year. So if you don't know how collegiate disc golf works, there's it's the most confusing thing. It should be Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. I'll argue that to my grave. Yeah. I think it's, it's going so that way. Dumb. But right now it's champ flight, first flight, second flight. Yeah. When I Well, I liked it, though, because, you know, when I wasn't good enough to be on champ flight, I could tell people I was on first flight. And they were like, oh, that sounds really? like the highest flight. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's not a big deal. <laughs> I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't elaborate after they're like, oh, first flight. And like, yeah, first flight. First flight. They don't, like the know, they don't things. have to know about champ flight. Yeah. So we were just talking about uh, nationals a little bit. Yeah. So the first year of national, Trevor's first year, my junior year of nationals was the last year that used the Hippodrome. Yes. Uh, which is kind of, if you, if you're not familiar with collegiate disc golf, that's kind of like nostalgic. Yeah. Like. There was, there used to be old glory. Your first year old glory was gone. So he never got to experience that, but he got to play hogback, which is still one of my favorite, like I'll call it short wooded courses. It's not, it it doesn't have much. If I wasn't struggling, it's short. So (laughs) it's short. Yeah. Had hogback. It had, uh, Moody Woods, Dunapace Dunes were on the other side of the property. And then I think it had Hedrick Hills, but I don't think, I think second flight and women's played that. No, we played Hedrick Hills. Oh, y'all did play one round in doubles, I think. Yeah, so we were, but one thing that collegiate disc golf did have back in the the good old days was guts. Guts. Now, if you haven't heard of guts, we were actually, we were talking about adding this onto the punishment wheel, which I I think will probably need to happen at some point. But guts is basically... Where all of us tired disc golfers get our testosterone (laughs) out of our systems, throwing frisbees as hard as we could at each other. Yeah, it's like dodgeball with discs. Pretty much. You could line up 3v3... And you just got to rip it. If it's at head height and gets past you, the other team gets a point. If you yeah. catch it with one hand, they don't get anything. So just picture this. Like you're standing across from the kid who you just watched throw just huge bombs all day on the course. <laughs> and now he's, you know, literally 50 feet away from you about to throw a disc at you as hard as you can. And you have to try and catch it. So it was terrifying. Like we were all like kind of like, oh, should we do it? Should we not? I didn't want to play. Hunter didn't even want to play. No, but what happened my junior year and you can look this up. I will, I normally don't talk about this, <laughs> but feel free to look up how horribly I played my junior year. So normally what happened is Thursday, um, back then Thursday was the first round of singles and normally your second round of singles was on Friday. They like split it into two days. And so you'd play like a round of doubles and then a round of singles. And so guts fell right in between those two days. Yeah. So normally I'm like, I got a whole nother round of singles tomorrow. I don't want to risk my hand. Like yeah. I don't want to risk because there's a video online of Simon Lazat breaking someone's we're not breaking someone's hand breaking the guts disc off someone's hand yeah it's pretty that awesome. was always the image in my mind is that i don't want that to be my hand the day before i play singles yeah i blew up on the singles course. <laughs> yeah all of us did we played absolutely garbage Whoa, on singles in champ flight champ flight yeah yeah, yeah. I was no, gonna no, say, not, hey, not first flight i held my own day, day one, one first flight tore up yeah day one first flight was a different animal day two <laughs> first flight was a wounded animal so <laughs> probably from guts yeah but champ flight we came in ticked off and so it was me and pete 
Curran, we were like ready to play guts. Well, Pete, you and Pete, I think were trying to convince me because yeah. I told y'all not a chance I'm playing, yeah. and y'all finally convinced me. And because you're like, dude, you don't need your hand tomorrow. You're in like 80th <laughs> place. Give up on it. Yeah. Uh, so we decided to play, and we had no expectations. Oh no, and that's we were what... like, we were just like, hopefully we don't get embarrassed. Yeah. And yeah. then you were playing for. It was something ridiculous. Like a, the top prize was like three hundred dollars to like a disc golf, a, some kind of equipment website. So like, and you also got a, a free trip to a guts tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. Anywhere, yeah. And they had one in Japan, so we were yeah. uh, we were eyeing we that were, Japan we trip. We were thinking about going to Japan. Yeah, we were eyeing that Japan trip. Free flights, free entry fee. Yeah. And so, but we at the same time didn't care. And Pete and I wanted to let off the steam from the yeah. absolute beating we had just taken in singles. Yeah. Uh, if you saw Trevor's putting in our most recent video, doesn't touch my putting at Dunapay Students. Doesn't touch it. It's a bold statement. It's a very bold, it's statement. A bold statement. I had Paul following me. Uh, well, that's always hard. It, it was, I had played in front of Paul, so I don't, I don't think it was nerves, but something got to me to where I missed three putts inside 15 feet in three holes in a row on Dunapay Students. Birdie looks, one of them rolled OB and turned to a bogey. See, my putt was on that day, so we must have like switched. Yeah, we switched. It was like it was yeah, like it was the, abnormal. Uh, Space Jam. Yeah, I, I stole your talents. Yeah. I'm <laughs> the Monstars. <laughs> first flight stole our talent. Yeah. Uh, but we get to guts, and I don't remember the first team we played, but we we got on a roll. I want to say we started with like South Carolina or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we played uh, a few teams. We the we, wins just kind of started piling up, and we were like, we won one. We we're like, oh, that was cool. And we won another one. We we're like, all right, here we go. And yeah. then we just kept winning. And we were like. All right, no longer is this for fun. We're winning we're this winning thing this. and we're going to Japan. Come on. <laughs> we got to the semis. Semi. Is that is yeah. that NC State or was that It was semis because second place still had a pretty good prize and we didn't okay. get that either. Yeah, so so we'd beaten I think it was Georgia to get to yeah. the semis. Pretty and, handily as well. Yeah. So semis was us versus NC State, which as far as like teams go, NC State's the team we face the most in disc golf yeah. when when I played there. But this is like this is kind of before they kind of hit their like peak to where they are now. Where they're really good. So yeah, like this was after this was after Colin Carter and before Raven Newsom. Yeah. So it was they still had like Jort and they had um it was Clay. I think Clay was still there. Uh, they had they had like two or three like decent players, but it was kind of in between their two like franchise players. If college disc golf has that, um, and we stepped up. We were feeling good. Yeah. You can actually, if you dig deep enough, which I know some of you will, you can find a live stream of this match. It's, it's on like a guts page, yeah, on like, a Facebook page, and you yeah. can go far enough back and find it. I have a couple clips <laughs> on my phone, maybe maybe sometime. There there were some highlights. There was and my, there was there were some low lights. Honestly, we felt like athletes for yeah. for one for one great <laughs> one moment. Minute. We felt like real athletes. <laughs> The crowd, like everybody was lined up, oh, yeah. like on the uh, the bleachers. Besides. It was one of the coolest things. And like people were cheering us on, and like you'd make some really cool catch, and like people were cheering. And we we're like, oh my, we were getting kind of hype. Yeah. Like Hunter, like was legit, like chest bumping us. I was stoked. This guy was. This guy was. I went from having like the worst day of disc yeah. golf of my life to no, just we were on hype. a like yeah. huge high from just ripping discs at people. We all thought for that one fleeting moment that we were going to be pro guts players and never look back i think <laughs> and then it all came crashing down because think about guts is a lot of times well a lot of times the scoring would be very back and forth like it's hard to make a stop because you're throwing the disc as hard as you can most of the time and the thing is if you drop it in front of you it's still a point for the team who threw so yeah literally the only way to stop them from getting a point is making a catch or if they mess up the throw yeah or if they ground it so it's very much back and forth like all right it's one one two two three three if you make a mistake it's huge yeah and we were playing them and i think we were already one back 
Um, we had all kind of made some good plays to stay in it. And then the, the wheels started falling off the wagon. It started when I threw one high um, over their head. So we didn't, we missed the point. And then I think the next one we made, we dropped one. And, yeah. And it kind of just all fell I apart. Re- all, I remember something. NC, we, I ripped what I thought was a perfect shot, hit off the dude's hand, and we and like started to celebrate. And then they caught and it. And some dude, this their lanky dude, I wish I could remember his name. I feel like it's Tucker, but I know I it's not. It, yeah. But he makes this like swan dive, front roll grab out of yeah. midair and just ripped my heart out with it while he just <laughs> stood victorious. Uh, the, the one good thing, I think, is uh, they did go on to win it. That is true. We did lose like to the eventual winners. If you lose, you better lose to the winner. That always feels better. I remember yeah. like back when I played basketball, like when I was like young, we would like be in a tournament and we would lose like in the semis to a team we kind of knew was the best. And then we'd see them like later at the pizza buffet with the trophies. And we kind of have like this respect with each other. Like, yeah, we lost, but you guys like they, they yeah. trampled the team in the finals. So like so we knew, you, it was you know, happen. we should have been there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of what was going on. Uh, but that was just a, a ton of fun. That's actually probably the that's probably my not my favorite. Sophomore was mm, or senior. Junior was one of the worst nationals play wise, but one of the most fun nationals. It was a good time. Yeah, time wise. It was a good time. That was a, a lot of fun. Uh, we do have some people, Chris Neal Disc Golf super chatted again saying we need a guts challenge video. Yeah. And then I Brody agree. suggested two V two guts match. Paul oh, and him versus I love me and that. you. I'm. I want to get back into the game. That's that's co- that's happening as soon as they get back. Two v two guts with ultra stars is not happening. No, that would hurt. <laughs> that so would hurt bad. like crazy. If y'all don't know, like guts discs are like small diameter, kind of like you know a, a golf disc. Yeah, but they're very light and very flippy. Yeah, they, so, they have the weight in the, like the center of the disc, yeah. and then the outside's flimsy. Yeah, so they don't like they still hurt if you catch one. Like it still stings, but. They're meant to be, you know, as soft as they can be with still like flying well, but you have yeah. to throw them like straight up and down hyzer if you don't want it to turn into a roller. Yeah. And I mean, you're standing 40 feet apart, it's like 50 40 feet. to 50 feet. So you, but it'll flip over in that amount of time. Real quick. Yeah. yeah. So I know Lance Brown, uh, they actually won guts. Lance, uh, Lance really? Brown, I think it was Dan Ballard and someone else. Uh, they were the three way back when and they won guts. And one of the reasons they won it is Lance would throw it forehand. And so it was like weird yeah. to catch because it would go backhand and you're like used to that spin and yeah. then it'd come at you forehand and it just felt weird. Well, I remember guys were trying to throw like overhand shots. Yeah. But the rule is that the disc has to be like the top of the disc has to be facing mostly up when it gets to the second line. And it has is, to be above your, it's above your waist or above I your knee. Even, I think above the knees. Yeah. So yeah. another issue with the tomahawk is it would pan down so fast. Yeah. That it was hard to get it high with enough. It's a Enough tough power. sport to referee. Yeah. There were some controversial calls. There was a lot of controversial yeah, calls. There was a bit. Uh, but it was it was definitely definitely a good time. Yeah. Um and then my senior year was the only time we actually like played together. Um I'm trying to think if we were ever doubles partners. I feel like we were once or twice. But I can't uh, remember. I was with doubles partners with Pete and Ryan most of the time. Yeah, I don't know if you and I, if we were, it may have been like a one-off thing. Yeah, because the issue we was, so really up. collegiate disc golf, your pairings need to be like where one person's weak, the other person's strong. Yeah. And Trevor and I are both backhand players. And like, not that we don't have forehands, yeah. but, but our forehands are chip shots. <laughs> our other guys, you know, had a good forehand and then a lefty. Yeah. So it just made sense. Yeah. So I was either with the lefty Ryan, who that's who I was with most of the time. Yeah. The other senior, or I was with Pete, who had, in his words, an elite forehand. Elite. Yeah. Uh, and so we we never really got to play 
as partners. But um, that our senior year, we started off pretty hot at the what yeah. was our first because we went to Seco and we tore it to shreds. Oh, so Seco was. I don't know if you felt this way, but that was the first term I ever had with a brand on my back where like I felt like, okay, I'm carrying some weight into this tournament. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, you remember, you remember the scenario with that, with me with Seiko that year. Oh, you had some uh, pressure on him. So I was like, I was battling for a spot that year. Yeah. So it was him and one other player. And our coach's plan was one player will play Seiko, which is the first tournament Southeast collegiate open. Yeah. Next other player will play on champ. No, it was uh, Dean's cup was first. It was Dean's cup. And then Seiko. He but went then to Dean's Cup. Flamethrower. Flamethrower. We both played, played fl- on that flight. Oh, y'all flip back and forth. Huh? We both played flamethrower on the on champ flight, but it was he went to Dean's Cup. I played. I went to. They Seco. put Pete down. Yeah, the flamethrower. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Trevor had a lot of pressure on him. Uh, yeah. I had. I just felt cool because we. We were at Seco. We always wanted to play there. And we flew to Seco. We flew to Seco. Yeah, we thought we were hot stuff. We, yeah. Our, our, as soon as we landed on the ground, Pete was like, guys, we cannot be the laughing stock in college <laughs> disc golf for flying to a tournament and we, losing. We're walking off the airplane with our disc golf bags, and we thought we were it. <laughs> we thought we were the coolest kids around. Like, that was a, It was a moment for yeah, us. And then, but that was like our first tournament with Prodigy bags. I had just taken the Nova out of my bag. I had the PA4 I in there. I practically feel the other teams hating us. I had no clue what any of the discs in my bag were going to do. Well, luckily for me, I wasn't. I hadn't switched completely because I didn't even have yeah. my full allotment from them. So I, had, I still had most of my other stuff. I was all Prodigy with the exception of my drivers. I kept Destroyers and a PD2 in there, Yeah, which was a clutch call because that's what I needed. We were at IDGC. I needed that. I needed destroyers and PD2s quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I remember, was it like, it was one of the first holes was this like, it was at Steady Ed, that downhill. I actually just brought this up the other day because I mentioned his orange wraith and Trevor's like, how the heck do you remember my orange wraith? That's like two years old. And I was like, I remember this shot. It was like downhill. It was like one of his first shots on champ flight. No, that was my blue wraith. It was your blue wraith? Yeah. I have the video of it. Oh, it was a par four though. Just like a perfect snake down. A and, hard shot. Oh, yeah. It was a hard shot. It was shot, him yeah. and Pete. I th- did Pete go first? Yeah, and threw a good shot. Pete got it down there. Like, we thought, like, when Pete, what Pete's shot was, like, what you're hoping for, which is, like, we might have a look. Yeah. And so he's down there, and then Trevor put it to, like, 20 feet. Yeah. And this was That's at a time, too, where my putting was, like, this is that was, like, the peak of my putting was that year. Yeah. That was the best I ever putted in my Same. life. And so if, if it was inside the circle, I was 100% confident it was in the basket. Yeah. I was like, no doubt about it. So we, we started the tournament off hot, and then we just never let off the break. No. And, well, our or singles rounds, gas. Hunter won. He literally won. Because I literally played the best round of disc golf of my life. I thought I had played mistake-free, and it was the first time I'd ever, like, come off the course, like, I may have just won. Like, I was like, I just <laughs> I just shot, like, 10 down. Like, I might have just won. And I get off, and Hunter's like, oh, no, I shot 13 down. And I was like what like i just played mistake free golf but it turned out that hunter had won i had come in third ryan had come in fifth and we won't talk about pete and pith pith <laughs> pete came in he, he was a little a, bit down a place but it didn't matter because we steamrolled everybody yeah that tournament i and that's where nationals was gonna be yeah we so, thought we thought nationals was a wrap and leaving little that did tournament, we know it leaving, wasn't leaving that tournament i was 100 percent we're winning nationals yeah no doubt in my mind. And then we got humbled at NC State. NC State first, Clemson yeah. second. <laughs> yeah. We were 
<laughs> well, he really peaked early that season. Yeah, apparently. And then went to Nationals. NC State was kind of embarrassing. We oh, there was only some shots that were embarrassing. NC State wasn't that bad. It was also it was pouring rain. That was the hardest rain I've ever. All played. I remember is my disc was floating in the water. Or no, Peach Drive was floating in the water. Mm-hmm. We decided to take it because your drive was OB or something. It was on yeah, a part I don't four. Remember, yeah. We took we took Peach Drive, and Ryan had no shot. All that was there was a righty hyzer. So Ryan's like, Hunter, you've got to execute this. And then yeah. I'll just basically like pitch out because I can't do anything. So I'm like, I'll go first. I'd rather go first. I nail the tree in front of me. I mean, like smacked the crap out of it. And it landed <laughs> floating in the disc right in front of us. Oh, floating in the water. So hard. And then I think Ryan followed it up with a worse shot. It because y'all good. took mine. It wasn't good. Yeah. It was. That was the horrible. The thing is like, especially I remember at that one in specific, but like. Hunter and Ryan were always like the really serious pair, and like Pete and I kind of had to like provide the jokes to like keep it li- mood light, so they didn't like get depressed mid round because they would start yelling at themselves. So I just remember NC State was one of those where like I remember on the first tee, all of us throwing just the worst shots, and we're laughing so hard, and the other team's looking at us like, "What are these guys doing?" Yeah, but it was like pouring down rain, and I think that tournament we didn't Ryan and I didn't really get mad. No, because Clemson, we, you did because you choked. Clemson was bad. Clemson, I don't remember exactly what I happened. I know what happened. To I've erased it from my memory. I'll tell you what happened at Clemson. But at, at Clemson, we went into the last doubles round down by six strokes, and in doubles, six strokes is a hike. Yeah, you're not making that. You're up. You're not making that up, and it was also to the hometown team, Clemson, right? Yeah, it was. So we're like, all right, this is not going to happen, but let's just play one hole at a time and just see what happens. And we get one stroke on the first hole. Another stroke on the second hole. Two strokes on the third hole. And all of a sudden, we're like, all right, guys, we're back in this. Do you remember that now? Yeah, we're like, we're, we're climbing back in this. Like, we're about to make a crazy comeback. And then we get it to where we're within one stroke. And we play the island hole. And Hunter and Ryan put us on the island, Pete and I, to about 25 feet. Got coached over there looking at us with those sunglasses on. In the background, straight through the chain. And we both at you. doink it off the cage. So that was our first chance to tie it up and really put the pressure on. And so then we gave them a couple strokes and then we get it back to that point to where we climbed into it late. And this time Hunter and Ryan have like a 25 uh, footer. I remember that. After I throw the shot of my career to get it there. It was wide open too, wasn't it, was, it? Yeah. Easy and, putt. And they both put it off the cage <laughs> and they, they just put their heads down and walked to like the last hole. And we're like, all right, well, we lost now. Yeah, that was <laughs> we, we, saw, we were still in it was a bad part. After I saw Hunter fold his disc into a taco, I, <laughs> I, did pretty that. Much, I knew we were done. If I missed the putt, that thing was yeah i don't even remember what that i think it was a 300 it was a 350 pa3 yeah but i wouldn't putt with it because i folded it so much that it was yeah. bent so i kept it to fold every time i missed a putt i don't take disc golf that's nearly that serious anymore no. back then back then i still thought i was about to win not about to win but like in my head i was winning nationals that year like i had confidence for the first time you in were, the sport in my life <laughs> you played your senior year you played well you were first yeah. in all american it was my senior year was my like i said my best year of disc golf probably will be i'll die is that it's my best year of disc golf most likely <laughs> it might be the case but i just was feeling confident and when i missed a putt i was i was ticked but i had erased that whole round from my memory so thanks for bringing that back up yes absolutely. i think i also got smacked in singles at clemson i think i think i, I, I could be thinking of a different year but i think our whole team clemson, beat me i would like just end up walking back to the bus with my head down like hoping nobody would ask me what i shot <laughs> yes. like what'd you shoot 70 no, that's what sucked because i loved it was grand central station it's a great course. loved that course and i could not play it, it ate my breakfast lunch and dinner every time i played there yeah yeah I, I loved everything about it and then 
when I would like get to the course for the tournament, I sucked. Yeah, that was practice me. rounds. I mean, there was one year, and I played horrible in singles this year. But Ryan and I stepped up. I, they were playing Captain Choice instead, and this was a year or two before you were on the team. Ryan and I stepped up on the first tee, and we were like feeling good about this course. We were stoked just to be at Clemson again. We loved playing at Clemson. And we birdied the first hole, and then we birdied the second hole, and we birdied the third hole. And I was like, Ryan, what if we went 18 down? And he's like, yeah, okay. And then we missed one hole. I was like, oh, there it goes. And then we eagled like two holes later. I'm like, whoa, we're, we're still in this. We were like, we were destroying it. And a lot of it was just Ryan going off. And we ended up, I forget which hole we missed. We missed two holes and eagled one. And that was it. We shot 17 down. And we came back to the bus like, we're going to, we just like tore everyone up. And then Devin and uh, Josh were the other pair- pairing. And they came back and they're like, they had their heads down. I'm like, oh no. I was oh, like, guys, what'd y'all, what'd y'all shoot? They're, I think they shot like two or three under. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, all you had to do, if you, if you would have shot like 10 under as a team, we would be up by like six and instead we're down a few. There are but- few like feelings in life that match like waiting for your teammates to walk back to the bus like either needing them to like have shot well like kind of like smiling i'm like hey how'd it go like, yeah, please do? please like or like getting ready to let them down that you had just <laughs> yeah. choked the entire tournament yeah i hated that that was the worst feeling oh is you would walk back you would walk back after playing like the worst disc golf of your life and normally disc golf you just have to convince yourself like normally you're just cool it's okay yeah you don't have to worry about it and you just got to stay in your own head but then when you're playing college disc golf, you've got to like, if you choke and you play bad, you got to face three guys yeah. that at least in my experience are going to let you like, not let you have it, but you're not going to forget about no, it. No, they're going to bring it up a lot. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're not going to forget about, and they're going to remind you of that round rating. Like they remind mm. you of everything for a long time. Yeah. And so you're walking back defeated personally. And then you also know all you, at least for me, all I was really hoping when I would walk back from a bad round is that everyone all shot bad. That's yeah. the best case scenario. Very selfish thought, but we've all been yeah, there. Yeah, we've you, all been there. You walk back and somebody all you're would be like, hoping, Oh, like, yeah, I blew up too. What'd you shoot? 73? Yeah. Oh, dang, dude. And then, like on the inside, you're like, Yes. Yeah. Like, come on. It's you're not walking, just me. You're walking back with your head down and you're like looking up at like I'd be like looking up at you, Trevor, and uh Ryan. I'm being like, or you, Trevor, and Ryan. Yeah. You, Pete and Ryan, I'd be like, Okay, they all their heads are down. I might be I might be able to sneak this one in there and walk yeah. up and be like, Oh man, that sucked, guys. What'd you guys shoot? And as soon as I hear a score worse than mine, I just like feel this yeah okay all right i wasn't the one today thank goodness (laughs) but there are plenty of times where i was the one and you'd walk back and everyone's got this huge smile on their face they're like no way i was sick and they're like man what'd you shoot i'd be like uh 70 (laughs) 72 yeah and they'd be like you kidding me you're the one today you're the one that just screwed this tournament for us that that was my college disc golf (laughs) experience there it's brutal it was it was definitely the wild west in college disc golf yeah i think it's quite a unique experience i I think college disc golf's like part of a big part of the future of our sport they just have like some kinks to work out yeah and it seems like they're working them out i didn't play this year but obviously yeah no it's pretty it's pretty solid the structure's all right yeah i think they're from what i understand they're slowly implementing new structures like uh conferences conferences is gonna be a big one uh they kept up with rankings this year that was one of the most frustrating things is when i played rankings were based basically on last year's nationals so we were on like a frenzy at the beginning like the first three or four tournaments that you should have been ranked for yeah 
and we were still like third in the country just yeah. because whoever won the year before nationals, you couldn't top them. Yeah. And I'm like, we've exactly. beat them twice this year. How are we not number one? And they're like, yeah. well, last year's nationals is the most heavy. I'm like, why? How does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah. Like you don't leave Villanova as number one in the country going into the next basketball season just because they hit a buzzer beater on UNC. All right. Let's like, bring that up. <laughs> let's not talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's a lot of college disc golf. We didn't plan this to really be a college disc golf it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's tough, tough when you road. I feel like I should like kind of backtrack and like just like briefly explain, you know, how I ended up here. There you could go for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, you know, I graduated from school. When they first of all, when this company started, when Foundation started, like you know, a year and a half ago, whatever, you know, obviously Hunter and I were still on the team together, and I kind of thought to myself, like, wow, like, you know, I studied sport management in school, so I was kind of like, you know, that I could see myself working on someday, and I'd kind of like. <laughs> plan it in his ear like every once in a while it's like hey you know whenever you uh whenever you need a third employee or a fourth employee or whatever you need you know hire somebody like you know just just remember me <laughs> remember when you're famous and you know you know after i graduated i kind of reached out again you know i graduated in may and then you know one that fateful night and got a call from hunter <laughs> he wanted to bring me on and i was pretty excited about it so yeah for sure. So I think we're getting about to the time where we will uh, wrap it up. I think the chat went, the chat went a completely different direction than college disc golf. Very um, so. I will, you know, there's a lot of questions about Zach happening uh, right now. So I will yet again mention this. Um, I can mention two things about this. First off, we can't explain uh, what why he left the company um, because there was an NDA in place. We were asked to sign an NDA. We did so and. That is that. Uh, you probably did see as well um, that he started a channel and he had said he can't make disc golf content until December. And there's a lot of questions about that. This isn't covered under the NDA, so I can definitely say it. Um, when we were making our operating agreement at the beginning of starting the company, Zach and I were writing it together uh, as well as Paul, and we put a non-compete in there. Uh, just That's a simple thing that you do when you're starting an operating agreement because you never know what's going to happen down the road. It was a six-month one. That's that. Um, and, you know, we're a disc golf YouTube channel. It, it's kind of a gray area, but he's just trying to do it to protect himself. And that's the same decision I would make. So that is where we're at with that. I know there's a lot of questions about it. Uh, hopefully that clears it up because that's as much as I can really say about it. But um, hopefully that clears all of that up so you guys kind of understand where, where we're coming from and why all of this is kind of happening this way. So uh, anyways, we are going to have... Two quick announcements here. First off, the Dark Claw. If you have not uh, seen it yet, yeah, I wish I've I was supposed to bring one. I've seen it about you know, a couple thousand times. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. Uh, I smelled it. It's been my life today. Yeah, uh, I was supposed to bring one. I forgot to bring it. I'm real sorry. Check our Instagram if you haven't already to see it. Um, there's pictures there and a lot of colors there as well. Pretty sweet. So you can kind of see that. You will be able to pick your color and. Um, trying to think what I was about to say. Oh, the release date has been announced. It's this Friday, and I wanted to use the podcast as the first spot to announce the release time. Yeah. Because you guys, you know, Discord normally hears first. You guys are normally the ones that hear kind of following that. Um, but Discord, I don't even think it's heard this yet. So I know there's some guys in Discord watching this. I'm sorry. But you're, you're going to still get the inside scoop. So the public drop for the Dark Claw Jawbreaker Wasps will be 
Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We wanted to give enough time for pretty much everyone to be off of work and all of that. Um, and hopefully, you know, that'll be a good drop. Some people are worried about the site crashing. We use Shopify. So we've asked Shopify and they said they can handle up to 100,000 requests per minute or is it per second? Either way, that's not happening during disc golf drop. So we should be good unless something abnormal happens yeah. not on our end it wouldn't be no foundation users will not crash the site is basically what i'm saying if no. shopify goes down that's a whole different monster but you don't have to worry about that and um we're super stoked about it we're going to talk a lot more about the patreon exclusive early access over in the follow-up which is where we're headed now and on the in the follow-up we will also let you guys ask trevor a lot more questions directly and we'll hear from brody and paul we'll have them kind of skype in and um talk about what's going on at the DDO, how the practice rounds are going, how they're feeling, all of that good stuff. And the final thing that we we're supposed to mention last week, we didn't, we're going to mention it this week, is we've made the decision that this is the last live recorded, live recorded doesn't make sense, last broadcasted. live broadcasted podcast. Yeah. Um, the reasoning behind this is the interaction between the audience is perfect. It's great for this type of a show, but it kind of takes away from the audio experience, which is what we want this to be. We want this to be something that you can turn on while you're in your car, driving to work, playing disc golf, whatever it is. Um, and you can always be able to listen to it. And the interaction back and forth with the chat and the podcast chat on Discord kind of breaks that up a little bit. It makes it a little bit less audio friendly. So yeah. instead, we're going to be recording the video and we're also going to be um, recording the audio. We'll post the video later. I know it's not going to be the same. Uh, we'll probably try to phase it out a little bit by, you know, doing some type of live streams here and there yeah. uh, for you guys. The follow-up will still be live. Um, so we will still have that live after every podcast for the Patreons. So they'll still have that interaction there. But like I said, this is something that's been coming down the pipeline for a while. Uh, even Zach and I were talking about it Um back a few months ago how this is the direction we wanted griplock to head eventually we just didn't know the right time and i think this is about as good a time as ever um so i think that'll bring in some new opportunities for updated graphics first off you might notice i didn't want to update these things because first off nostalgia and second of all i knew this was the last live yeah. one so why put all that effort into the last no the last one there so um yeah, hopefully that all makes sense. We're going to head over to the follow-up now. And like I said, next week, we'll probably post the podcast around this time. So you guys can kind of all join in on the chat or the comments there and still have this community. But if you enjoy the community you're getting out of the live chat, you've got to go to Discord. Um, this is all day, every day. And the Discord people can back me up on this. This is what's going down. You know, random conversations. I'm, all, I'm in there way more than I should be. Yeah. Uh, Brody's in there. Trevor's in there. Paul's in there. Uh, we chat back and forth a lot. There's tons of different channels depending on what you're interested in. Um, so if this is the type of stuff you come for every week, you're going to still be able to get your fix from that over on Discord. There should be hopefully one of the mods or Brody can put up an invite link in the chat because I think I didn't put it in the description this week, which is completely my bad. But um, if someone can put it in, there we go. Nightbot had me. That's kind of creepy. I don't know if you can hear me or if that was just perfectly timed automatic. Anyways, uh, jump over to the Discord. That's where you're going to get this type of community that we had kind of built behind this podcast. You can keep that going over there. Um, but like I said, this is the last live broadcasted podcast. Uh, I think I think what we have in store will probably, you'll enjoy it. It'll be a little bit different, but in my opinion, it will be better. It'll also allow us to shoot on our terms yeah. so we don't have to worry about being in these seats every Wednesday at 8.30. So, anything you have to say 
wrap it up? No. Uh, my first podcast just with Hunter, you know. It's a good time. <laughs> Hope everybody enjoyed it. You know? Yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see you guys next week in a, in a different format. Um, and yeah, thank you for understanding and growing with us. And we'll see you guys in the next video. Yeah.